morning. Uh, it's good to see you this morning. Glad to be in God's house this morning. Amen. Well, thanks, Zachary, for his nine o'clock lesson this morning dealing with the uh, practices of Islam. He's doing a good job of giving us a high-level overview last week of the, uh, the belief system of the Muslim faith, and this week kind of how they apply that uh, in practice. Uh, I told Zach I wanted to share a couple of thoughts um, uh, this morning. Uh, Zach uh, has done a good job of uh, sharing uh, Muslim belief about Allah. You understand this morning, Allah and God are not the same God. Amen? You understand that, right? I have a book on my shelf in the office, Rich. It's, it's about Bible translations, and it's titled, Things That Are Different Are Not the Same. Allah is different than the Lord. You understand that. It's not just two different names that are given to the same God. Uh, Allah is not a triune God, right? And in the Muslim system, Zach has shared with us that Christ is not divine. He's just a prophet, much like Muhammad. In fact, they, they seem to revere Muhammad more than even Christ, don't they? They don't view Christ as, uh, as God the Son. Aren't you glad this morning that we have the Bible uh, preserved for us that shows us the truth about the Lord. Mark 12 and verse 32, the Bible says there is one God and there is none other but than he. He's the Lord. Amen. Deuteronomy 4, Moses proclaims unto thee it was shown that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. Uh, in 1 Kings 8, the Bible records the Lord's desire that all the people of the earth may know the Lord is God. And there is none else. He alone is Lord. He alone is God. Let's stop and thank the Lord this morning for the truth of his word that makes that known, that makes him known to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the, the lessons in the Sunday school hour. Lord, they're important. Uh, they uh, prepare us and equip us to um, be knowledgeable of uh, error so that we may confront it more effectively with the truth of thy word. Lord, you've given us your truth, and it's the prescription that addresses uh, the error of the world. Lord, I thank you this morning that we can know from your word that um, you're not Allah. It's not just another name given to you. Uh, it's a different God, a false God. We say that in love, of course. Lord, we understand this morning that the Bible has made it clear that you are the one true God. There is none other. Lord, you're not one of many gods. Thank you this morning, Father, for revealing yourself, for revealing this truth in the Bible, your word given and preserved by you for us that we might know the truth. Lord, help us to, um, to know the truth from your word and to use it graciously and in love to share the truth with those who still need it. Of course, that would include our Muslim neighbors. Father, give us opportunities to take what we've learned and uh, to take your words in, in a loving and gracious and respectful way, but in a way that does not compromise one bit the truth of your words. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you and we praise you for who you are. And Lord, I praise you again this morning for giving us your words so very uh, clearly and accurately translated in our King James Bible. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray that you meet with us now this morning as we 
continue to sing together and worship together. Lord, place a joy in our hearts this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, would you stand with me? Take your bulletins again and turn to page number seven. There you'll find hymn number 650, Redeemed. Let's sing it out as we sing all four verses of Redeemed, hymn number 650. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus. No language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent, his love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I know I shall see in his beauty the King in whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Amen. You may be seated. Have you been redeemed? All right, amen. Take your Bible this morning, please. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 this morning. I want to pick it up uh, basically where we left off last week, and I want to backtrack a couple of verses and uh, kind of place them into the context of the balance of the chapter this morning. Uh, I asked if you've been redeemed, and you all said amen, right? Yes, uh, verily, truthfully, Pastor, I have been. If you've repented of sin, if you've turned from sin and turned to Christ and placed your faith uh, in Christ, you've been redeemed. You've been bought back from the consequence of sin, the penalty of sin. Uh, your sins are forgiven. You've been made a new creature in Christ. You have a new home in heaven. Uh, you have a new father. Uh, you've been placed into a new family. Uh, we have some things to be excited about this morning, church. Amen? Somebody say amen. Are you doing okay this morning? All, all the stuff going on out there taking a toll on us, isn't it? Uh, it is, isn't it, Gary? All, everything that's going on around us. But, uh, boy, I want to just encourage us this morning to focus on who we are in Christ, and all the benefits and all the hope that we have. And boy, as much as we can, try to live above, there we go, above all the, all the junk that's going on out there. Uh, we have a lot to pray about, don't we? And, and I want to just encourage you to keep on praying, keep on praying. 
you, you turn on the news or you look out the window and you see things that are disturbing, boy, that, that needs to prompt us to pray. That needs to prompt us to pray. Is God in control, church? Is he in control? He absolutely is. Is his word still his word? Is his word still as relevant to uh, his people and to this world today as it was when it was first given? I'm going like this. I'm prompting you, but you know the answer. Amen. Uh, his words are still as relevant. They're still as true today as they always were. Uh, I, told, I think I told my wife this week, I'm, I'm going to put on the sign, and I, I meant to do that before today, uh, Christ is the answer. He's the answer to everything that we see going wrong out there, right? And uh, aren't you glad this morning that you know that? You know Christ is the answer to all the, all the junk we see in the world today, all the problems. Uh, Lord, help us to focus on the truth that we already have the answer. Uh, but there's, there's obviously, clearly, so many out there that still need uh, to know uh, that Christ is the one true answer for, for everything that we see. And, of course, the words of God, the words of God. Um, I shared with someone this morning that, um, Gary, I'm, I'm convinced that the devil desires to use all the chaos in the world today to distract us from who we are and from God's words and from the basic things that we need to be focused on as God's people. Uh, one of the reasons that I had Zach to teach this series on, on Islam um, is, is this. Uh, Brother Art, I'm, I'm convinced that the devil desires to take advantage of all the chaos in the world today to kind of give cover to those that would seek to spread false faiths, uh, untruths. We're going to wake up one day and, and realize that when we weren't paying attention, there's that many more mosques all around us. And so we need to be prepared to uh, confront uh, error and not be distracted by the chaos of the world uh, in that regard. And listen, we'll only be prepared to do that to the extent that, that we keep our eyes on the Lord uh, and in his word, and, and not let all the chaos in the world today distract us from who we are and, and who our God is and, and what he says in his word. Uh, we're still God's children. We're still his people. Uh, Christ is still on the throne, and heaven is still our home, and uh, the Lord's words are still the Lord's words. Praise God. Praise God, nothing has changed about who God is or, or who we are or what his word says. Let's stand together, please, if you would, and, and we'll read here in 1 Timothy this morning. I want to backtrack two verses to verse 7. Uh, let's stand together if you're able to. Uh, here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, back now in uh, verse 7, down through the balance of the end of chapter 2 here, uh, Paul writing under inspiration God's words here for Timothy and for us, he says, uh, whereunto I'm ordained a preacher and an apostle. I know we saw this verse recently. He says, I speak the what, church? What does it say? The what? The truth. These words that he's giving are, are God's truth. Uh, the only uh, true truth, amen, in Christ. He says, and I lie not. These are, these are God's words. They're not lies. Uh, he calls himself a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Uh, verity is truth. He says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. 
Now, you understand the balance of the chapter here addresses ladies specifically, right? I want you to note that because uh, we probably do well here in verse 8 to see that he is speaking to men literally in verse 8 and then ladies in the balance of the chapter. We've, we've treated verse 8 up to this point kind of you know, relative uh, to everyone, and there's a sense in which the verse certainly can uh, be applied by everyone. But in context, verse 8 seems to be dealing uh, or addressing specifically men. And then in verse 9, uh, the Lord begins to address ladies. And I praise God for our ladies. Ladies, we're grateful for you. We're thankful for you. Here's instruction, God's true instruction for ladies. Beginning in verse 9, uh, Paul writes, uh, in like manner also that women, and this is uh, Christian women uh, in churches, that they adore themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. Uh, uh, adoring themselves, of course, here with, with uh, modesty uh, as opposed to uh, other things, outward things that are different, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or, or costly array. Not that those things are necessarily wrong, but the Lord is more concerned with modesty. Verse 10, he says, But which becometh women professing godliness uh, with good works also. He says in verse 11, Let the women, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. He says, I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, uh, but to be in silence. Uh, for Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Uh, verse 15, notwithstanding, she shall, she shall be saved in, in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Listen, verse 15 might be difficult on its face, but I think it's just picturing uh, a blessing uh, for ladies who would heed these verses, who would take them up uh, as difficult as they are, recognizing they're the truth, they're God's word, God's plan for ladies. Uh, yes, contrary to our nature, but, but not contrary to God's desire. There's a blessing for ladies that would take up these words. Let's pray. We'll go back to the beginning, make a few uh, observations here. Father, thank you this morning uh, for these thy words. Lord, I understand this morning, and uh, if I were the devil, I would also want God's people to be distracted uh, from the basic truths of your words. Lord, I would want God's people to be afraid and distracted and um, not paying attention to basic things uh, in your word. Lord, we'll not allow the devil to have any such victory this morning. Uh, we'll continue uh, through chapters uh, and books of scripture, and Lord, we'll, uh, we'll seek to uh, not skip over anything. Father, we'll seek to be people of all of your words, all of thy truth. Lord, we'll not cede any ground to the devil this morning in our church. Lord, I thank you this morning for your words. I thank you that they uh, guide and instruct and show us, Lord, an orderliness uh, that we can still have when the world is in such a state of chaos and disorder. Lord, you have defined, you have ordained uh, an order. Uh, and Lord, you desire that we know that order and uh, conform ourselves to it. Father, we understand this morning that in a day like today, if we will order our lives and order our relationships according to your words, 
we will stand out that much more. There will be that much more of a difference. We'll be an even brighter light in an even darker world. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you help us to uh, take up these thy words and the order that they teach, Lord, and the blessings that you promise if we will do just that. Lord, I love you this morning. Uh, I thank you for your words. I pray that you would help us now to take them up as the truth that they are. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I, I can't help but wonder this morning if the Lord has had Paul to uh, make reference here in verse 7 to the fact that he is writing the truth uh, from God, not, not just what he thinks should be the case, uh, because he understands that it will be naturally difficult for people to receive some of the things that he has said here. Uh, maybe, maybe men will have some difficulty with verse 8 in, in terms of being convicted by it, but you can't help but wonder if Paul doesn't understand that as he gets down to verse 9 and, and following that uh, ladies are going to naturally have difficulty receiving these words as God's truth uh, and, and living them out. Uh, men, let me ask you a question first this morning. Do we have difficulty at times uh, conforming our lives to God's word? Men, do we? Do we struggle at times to live a life that reflects God's words to the extent that, that uh, our life should? Guys, that, that's true, right? It, it is true. And of course, the same is true for ladies. We, we naturally think we know what's best, and we naturally uh, have our own tendencies, and uh, there, that's where we meet the Lord's word to address our natural tendencies uh, that would uh, militate against God's will. And God's word enters in and says, well, okay, this is what you uh, would think and what you would do naturally, but here's what God desires uh, the way that God desires that we be ordered in our families and marriages and, and churches. And uh, if, if you will take up my order of things and, and implement that with the, the, the grace that is available to you as, as people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, hey, things will work. Uh, things will work. Your marriages, your families, your, your church can be uh, ordered in a godly way. They can be orderly uh, according to God's word despite, or, uh, despite whatever chaos is happening out there in the world. Uh, if we'll take care to take up God's words and the order that they teach us, uh, our lives, our marriages, our families, our churches can be orderly according to God's word despite the chaos uh, all around us. Now, to do that, we're going to have to be people who continue to view God's words as the truth that they are. Uh, we're going to have to continue to view God's words as just as truthful and relevant to all people today as they were in the time that they were first given, in the culture that they were first given. Uh, it, that was a long time ago uh, in a, a culture that was quite different uh, but God does not in any way imply that the truth of his word is, is conditional uh, and, and only relevant to the extent that the culture continues to be the same and the times continue. No, God, God's word is timeless. 
Uh, there's no indication whatsoever here that uh, these words were for the first century and as times changed, we could ignore them. Uh, no, God wants us to be people who hold fast to his words as his timeless truth uh, and to be a people who will not be swept away with the, the trends of the day, uh, but instead hold fast to the truth of God's words. And Boy, I think Paul is alluding to this here, here in verse 8. And let's, let's take this as number one this morning. Paul testified that he spoke the truth. Uh, not a truth, but the truth. He spoke the truth. Uh, he testifies here that uh, whether or not you like what I'm about to say, men and women, this is God's truth, and, and it's for you. Uh, he testifies here that he spoke the truth, not a truth, uh, in Christ. He says, whereunto, verse 7, I'm ordained a preacher and an apostle. And I realize it's a, it's a parenthetical statement here, but uh, the, the parentheses uh, don't exactly appear in, in the Greek. That's something that the, the, the editors have added, the, the parentheses, to help us understand. It's, it's a little bit of a parenthetical phrase here, but he says, I speak the truth in Christ uh, and lie not. This is truth. Uh, Paul, Paul's testifying here, I will never tell you a lie. I will always give you the truth that God has delivered to me, that it be delivered to you. Uh, he, he calls himself again a teacher in faith. He'll, he's, he's dedicated himself to faithfully conveying the words that he has received from the Lord and to do that uh, in verity, in truthfulness, uh, with an absolute commitment to the truth of God's words. May I ask you a question this morning? May I ask you a question? Do you believe that every single one of the words that shows up in your Bible is God's truth? Do you believe that every single word in your Bible is one of God's words? Church, do you believe that? Every word of scripture is, is God's words. Uh, I don't... I've studied, I've studied the scriptures, uh, King James, and I've studied the, the underlying languages, and, and believe me, my testimony is that we have an accurate translation uh, of all the words that God originally gave, mostly in Hebrew and, and, and Greek, in the Old Testament and New Testament, respectfully. I've, I've been able to study and see just enough that, yeah, this is an accurate translation of God's words. That's why we'll continue to hold on to our King James Bible, because we don't have that anywhere else in the English language. We just don't. We do not. This is it. It's a wonderfully accurate translation of the inspired and preserved words of God. God has shown me that we have an accurate translation, and, and God has shown me in my heart that what has been translated is God's words. All of them are God's words. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You really have to answer that question. Uh, you have to consider the question and, and answer it for yourself once in a while. Uh, there are churches out there in the world today that have decided that it's up to them to kind of say, well, okay, maybe, maybe this, is, this part of the Bible is God's word and uh, it was relevant when it was given. Here's some other parts of the Bible that are God's words and uh, not, not any longer relevant for us. Here's some different parts of scripture that are relevant for today. Here's some other parts of the Bible that really aren't God's words at all. They were just added there by men. 
is, is that what the Holy Spirit says to you in your heart as you open up the Bible? Holy Spirit of God doesn't say anything like that to me uh, in my heart. As, as I read the Bible, the Holy Spirit witnesses to me. These are God's words. All of them, all of them are God's words. I understand that there's certain parts of the Old Testament uh, that while they reveal God's truth are not to be practiced today, we need to be that dispensational, but they're all God's words. Uh, all of the Bible is God's words. It's all his truth. Uh, and it all of it remains relevant to God's people uh, today. I wanna share some, some, I can't say the word, statistics with you. I used to do this a lot. Uh, I got out of the habit, but permit me to share a few statistics with you this morning and, and just jot down a couple of these things for you, uh, for your notes. Uh, 87 times throughout the Bible, the words truth or truth appear together with Lord or God or both. 87 times the Lord uh, combines truth uh, and Lord or God. Jesus said uh, in John 8, 32, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall what? What is it, church? Make you free, uh, liberated from the consequence of sin, liberated from uh, having to be uh, obedient to all, all of the Old Testament law and liberated from the consequence of sin. We have a wonderful liberty in Christ uh, to serve him. 27 times the phrase, thy truth, appears in the Bible. Uh, very often the psalmists are praying and uh, they're praying to the Lord regarding his truth. And they say, Father, thy truth. Uh, in Psalm 25 and verse 5, the psalmist prays, lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. What a great prayer. Lord, you've shown me that the Bible is your truth. It's your words. You've promised to preserve them to this day. And boy, I, I just know that I have a Bible that, that, that gives me all of your words faithfully, supernaturally preserved. Lord, this is your truth. Uh, lead me in your truth. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to be led of God in it and, and to live it. What a great prayer. Lord, lead me in thy truth. Permit me to encourage you uh, to pray that prayer this week. 25 times... In John's gospel alone, Jesus says, verily, verily. What does that mean, church? What does verily, verily mean? Does anybody have any idea? Truly, truly. Uh, in, in the Greek, it's amen, amen. Uh, it means truly, truly. Uh, it signals Jesus uh, used that phrase verily, verily to uh, double signal, if you will. Rich, can I make up words and phrases? Uh, Lord didn't do that, but, but I can't. No, I can't. Uh, the Lord used that uh, to, to double underscore the truthfulness of his words. In John 3, 3, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, uh, Mr. Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot, he will not see the kingdom of God. That's God's truth. Uh, recorded, written down for us in God's words. Uh, I'll give you one more. Uh, ten times in John's gospel, we see the same phrase that we find here in our passage this morning in verse 7, uh, which is simply this, the truth. The truth of God's words is not a truth. It's not one of many truths that we can pick and choose from. It is the truth. It is the one and only truth. 
Uh, it marks the truth of God, the only version of truth. Of course, the Lord is the one source of the one version of truth, and we have it for us, recorded uh, and preserved and before us this morning. What a great privilege. Lord, help us to never lose sight of the fact that all of the Bible is of you, it's from you, and all of it is absolutely perfectly true. It is universally relevant to all men of all times. The world is bombarding us with messages to the contrary. We need to be the people who will stand up to that and say, you know what, I know what I know because God has shown me what is true and what is not true. The Holy Spirit of God has shown me in my heart that all of these words are his words and that they are just as true and just as relevant today as they, has, as they have ever been. The world is militating against that idea. We need to be people who commit and recommit ourselves to these truths, to the principles of God's words, to the individual words. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, who we, we have great respect for as a founding father, uh, was an imperfect man. As you may know, he, he made a version of the Bible where he, he cut out the parts he didn't like. Did you know that? I think I might have shared that with you recently. I have great respect for him as a founding father of our nation, um, but that was, a, that was a big mistake. We don't cut out the parts that we don't like. We don't say, well, I don't think that's as truthful as other parts, and so I'll cut it out and leave it on the side. No, we, we take it up, and when it's hard, we say, God, I know this is your truth, and I know it's for me, uh, but God, I, I confess, as you already know, because you know my heart, you know my thoughts, I don't like it. I wish it wasn't there. Uh, Lord, help me to like it. Help me to take it up and practice it um, just as much as those parts that I like and find easy uh, to accept. Well, the first thing we see here in verse 8, um, again, is uh, in context, again, I, I want to say this morning, um, instruction that, that is specifically directed to men. We've not been as careful uh, in the past couple of weeks to make that clear, but verse 8 really is direct. In context, the context makes it clear that the men uh, that are referred to in verse 8 are literally men as opposed to women that we see in verses 9 and following. So the Lord gives truthful instruction here to men uh, who would desire to be godly men. Are there any men here who desire to be godly men? <laughs> Rich, you're the only one. <laughs> um, that's a good question to ask yourself, right? Uh, do I desire not just to be saved, but a godly man? Men? Think about that. Am I content to just be saved and, and know that I, heaven is my home? I'm saved but I don't need to really progress in sanctification. I don't need to grow in yieldedness to the Lord. I don't need to grow in holiness and conformity to God's word. It's enough to be saved. And I say this morning this, I, I'm sure the devil really loves that idea. Don't you think? He's already lost you to the family of God, but if he can, if he can make you content to be saved, period, uh, not growing 
If you're not growing, you may not be serving or you may stop serving. What a victory for the devil. Lord, help us to be men who desire to be godly men who are growing, who are yielded, uh, who are yielding to you and finding grace and strength from you uh, to know your words and to live your words. Here's God's instruction to men in just one verse of, of that. Not that this is all of the totality of God's instruction to men, but, but here's a verse for men. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, uh, holy men, praying, prayerful men, uh, without wrath and doubting. Um, boy, it's a convicting verse. Guys, is this a convicting verse? Uh, do we pray as much as we should as men? Uh, I, Rich, I, I'm, I'm sure that we don't. Uh, ladies will come to me a lot and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for your dad, I'm praying for this, but some of the men do also, but... Uh, I don't know why it is, but I, I, I think it is the case that ladies tend to be uh, more faithful prayer warriors than, than some of us men. Uh, men, we are, we are commanded of God uh, here to be men who pray uh, and men who pray everywhere. Uh, lifting up holy hands, I, I don't necessarily take literally. I think it's just a picture of holiness uh, men who take care that their lives reflect a practical holiness. Uh, men who take care to uh, seek God's help to push out those things that do not reflect the kind of holiness that God desires in our life, that, that do not encourage a practical holiness in our lives. Uh, men who understand that, that God hates sinful things uh, and God hates influences in our life that do not uh, tend to uh, grow us or to encourage our growth, but uh, may tend in instead to pull us back into worldliness. Uh, men who understand that God cares deeply uh, that we progress in our sanctification and, and continue uh, to grow in holiness. Uh, without wrath and doubting is a very interesting verse. Don't raise your hand, but guys, have you ever struggled with your temper? Men? I have. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. I have. Uh, I don't know, guys. Is it, is it a, just part of our sin nature? Listen, guys, if, if we're not careful, we're, we're content to say, well, yeah, pastor, it, it's just part of our sin nature. That's it. That's the explanation. Is an explanation ever an excuse? It's not. It's not. And so I, I believe what the Lord is, is saying here is, is listen, men. <laughs> yes, you need to be prayerful men. And, and yes, you need to be men who, who, who care about yielding to the Holy Spirit and, and growing in sanctification and increasingly putting off sinful things. Uh, and, and part of that will be uh, being men who, who deal with our temper issues, who, who confess uh, sinful uh, anger and the tendency to fly into a sinful, self-centered, prideful rage and, and do business with God about that, that our lives would reflect um, a godliness, not a, um, uh, just a lack of control, 
but rather a Holy Spirit control in our lives. Listen, this, this is a fact, and it's a hard fact, and men need to hear this. When we fail to deal with temper issues, uh, we are broadcasting to everyone, we're broadcasting to everyone that we're in control. We're not yielding control of ourselves to the Lord. You understand that, right? Listen, if, if we're yielding control of ourselves to the Lord, uh, he will step in. He'll help us to be self-controlled. He'll help us to, to moderate our, our tempers. He'll, he'll help us to deal with the issues that, that incline us to anger and, and outbreaks of anger. God desires that men would be prayerful, that we would lead holy lives, that uh, there not, not be lives that are characterized by wrathful outbursts and ungodliness and uh, unyieldedness to the Lord. These are just a short list of things that God desires to characterize uh, the lives of, of Christian men. Well, the Lord moves on and he says, listen, I have some, I have some things that, that I want Christian ladies to take up also. And they have to be addressed here in scripture because they're not natural. Uh, it's not what we do naturally. It's, uh, it's this, is, this is what God desires uh, that ladies would understand and that ladies, just like men have to go to Lord and say, okay, Lord, I understand that. I, I'm going to need your grace and, and your help. Ladies are going to have to do the same. They're going to have to uh, search the words of God to know how God desires them uh, to order their lives and what should characterize their lives, not in a general way, but in a very specific way here. Uh, these are things that ladies need to know uh, there may need to be some confession about uh, not, not um, matching up to these words and, and some praying, Lord, help us to order our lives and uh, to give us grace, Father, that we would be able to live in increasing, in increasing, increasing accordance with your words here. Um, this morning, number three, Paul uh, gave truthful instruction to women who desire to be godly women. This is, again, not the totality of instruction to ladies, but it's some of that totality. It's a piece. It's a piece. Paul revealed God's instructions here to women uh, who desire to be godly women. The first thing he says here is that uh, she would be uh, concerned about uh, adorning herself with modesty. He says, um, he says in verse 9, I want to skip over the first part for a moment. He says, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Uh, he's saying, listen, some ladies may naturally be more concerned about their outward appearance with respect to what does my hair look like? What does my jewelry look like? What, what will I wear? And that might be a, a natural tendency among ladies to be very concerned about that. Believe me, the Lord is not saying that you could, those things are bad. Ladies, I want to be clear about that. I don't, the Lord is not saying here that it's bad to be concerned about your appearance, that your hair be neat and you know, look nice. And I don't think the Lord's saying you shouldn't wear jewelry. He's not saying you shouldn't wear nice clothing. But what he's saying is that he has a greater concern than those things. It's not that he's unconcerned with your, the way you comport yourself externally. 
It's not that he's unconcerned with your appearance, but more than that things be nice, he's concerned that there be a modesty. The Lord is concerned that, that ladies commit and recommit and stay committed to a godly modesty uh, in their behavior and in their appearance. Uh, he's concerned that there be an orderliness about their, their, um, the way they comport themselves and in their appearance that conveys a godly modesty. Look at verse 9. Let's let the Lord talk for a moment. He says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. In modest apparel. Modest literally means orderly or of good behavior. The word could be understood both ways. That's the literal definition of the underlying word. It means orderly in a sense of orderliness that conveys good behavior. Um, the same word that's translated modest here is translated of good behavior in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 2 talking about the qualifications for pastors. They're to be the husband of one wife and vigilant and sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, etc. So the same word is translated two different ways in scripture. It's not a bad translation. They're both excellent translations of the same word uh, because both mean the same thing. Modest. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Uh, apparel that is consistent with a lady's desire to be seen as one who has committed herself to good godly behavior. She has a, an inner heart that desires to be godly. And she's committed herself to uh, living out that heart in an outward visible way that reflects a heart that is given over to the Lord, uh, she will therefore, it, it is her desire that her, her behavior and her appearance, that which, with sh which she adorns herself, would reflect a commitment to godliness, to behavior uh, that is godly. Now, listen, uh, look at the verse, please. Uh, the word apparel appears there, doesn't it? Is it there, church? Is it there? It is there. The Lord could have conveyed the idea that, just a very general idea, he could have conveyed a very general idea that he wants ladies to be modest, just behave well, without bringing in the word apparel. He could have done that. Uh, has the Holy Spirit placed every word here, church? Is that what the Bible teaches? The Holy Spirit placed every word in Scripture. Every word. The translators haven't added this to smooth things out. It would be italicized if they had added it to smooth out the English. We know that's not needed here. So we understand that the Holy Spirit has placed the word apparel here and that it literally refers to clothing. There's, there's no getting around that. It's just, it's here. The Lord desires that, that ladies have uh, hearts filled with modesty, a desire to be yielded to and to obey the Lord. Uh, and, and there's no getting around the fact that the Lord is, is literally saying here that one of the ways that that should be expressed in a woman's life uh, is that her apparel, her clothing, be modest. Uh, that's, that's just a fact. Uh, that, that is a fact. It is God's desire that a lady's clothing, 
uh, reflect her intention uh, to be godly. She has a godly heart. She therefore desires to comport herself in a godly way, to maintain a godly appearance, and that this, this apparel, however she dresses, uh, would represent her uh, commitment and communicate her commitment uh, to be one who will live out good godly behavior. Literally, literally, that is what it means, uh, quite literally. Um, your godly apparel, your modest apparel, ladies, uh, is the uniform of a Christian woman. Have you ever thought of it that way? Ever thought of it that way? Uh, the Lord calls Christian ladies to have a uniform that, is, that identifies you as women of God, godly Christian ladies. It says something about who you are and what your intentions are. Uh, we were talking this morning about, Brother Ray, we were talking this morning about the concern about um, some of these federal police officers having uniforms that don't identify who they are, right? That's not being political, but just for purposes of an illustration, I think that's a concern for everyone. Um, but they, they have uniforms that, um, while they may not identify who exactly they are, they do identify them and their purpose, their purpose for being there. Uh, nurses wear uniforms that identify them and their purposes. Uh, Dr. Wade, in a clinical setting, doctors wear uniforms that identify them and reflect their purposes. Firefighters wear uniforms that identify them uh, and also protect them, right? Uh, Proverbs 7 and verse 10 refers to the attire of an harlot. Uh, harlots have a uniform or a manner of dress, uh, an immodest style of dress that identifies them uh, and their intentions. We understand that. God has called Christian ladies to have a very different uniform, if you will, uh, modest apparel that identifies them as, as who they are. Godly ladies uh, who are not advertising their bodies for some immodest purpose, but rather have chosen to take on a, a godly uh, uniform, if you will, that reflects their identity and their intentions to live godly lives that reflect true good behavior according to the words of God. That makes sense, doesn't it? That makes sense. Um, or listen, I, I don't think that, um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to not speak to some specifics um, about that. You know, I pray about this and you know, always understand that uh, there can be disagreements. But I think if we're all prayerful, um, we'll pray about disagreements, eventually we land on the same page. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, what does it mean to be modest, to, for a woman to be biblically modest, to uh, array herself in a way that uh, reflects her, her identity and her intentions, uh, to be a woman of good behavior, of godly behavior, of, of adherence to the truth of God's words. Well, the Bible, does, the Bible does provide other information to inform that decision. Uh, we're not left guessing about what exactly 
uh, that would be back in Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5. Write that down, please. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Uh, the Lord makes it clear that, that men and women should dress in a way that is specific to their gender. That's just God's desire. It's God's plan. Uh, I've said many times over the years, the world is militating against gender distinctions. The world's desire is to blur the lines. God's desire is to maintain the lines. Uh, God, God did not make anyone uh, who is not either male or female. Uh, God did not make someone uh, in the middle. God did not design us to live on a spectrum uh, where our gender identity can vary with the day of the week, the time of the year, or the year. It's not how God made us. Uh, he has made men and women uh, to have a distinct gender identity that does not change, and he has asked us to dress in a way that is um, consistent with a distinction. God wants there to be a distinction. Uh, Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5 says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination. And so we need to understand that and be reminded of that this morning. Uh, obviously, to be modest also is to dress in a way that your body is covered. Uh, we understand that that's the first thing we think about when we think of modesty. In Isaiah 47, the Bible defines a bare thigh as nakedness. And, you know, we, we encourage ladies to wear dresses because that would be distinct to their gender, but we have to be careful about the length of the dress also. Uh, a bare thigh, ladies, is problem. It, that's a problem for men in the church. You can be sure of that. And the Lord calls that nakedness. So be immodest. Uh, to, to have a dress that's either too tight or doesn't cover you, uh, you know, you, it would be immodest. Uh, of course, biblical modesty is also consistent with our call to holiness. Uh, you know, 1 Peter 1 and verse 15 says, But as he that has called you is holy, so be ye holy uh, in all manner of conversation, behavior, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So, uh, we understand that God desires a, a clear distinction. He understands that we be covered, uh, that our clothing not be too tight. Not, not, you understand the, those basic things. And I'll just remind us again this morning also, um, the standards that God lays out in Scripture are not Sunday-only standards. Uh, they're standards that are to mark our lives and, and be reflected in our lives each day of every week. And so I, I encourage men and women both to think about how we dress, not only on Sunday, but uh, throughout the week. Uh, this is what God desires. He desires that our appearance reflect our identity and our intentions to live out a holy life characterized by good behavior that's defined by the truth of God's words. That's God's desire. It's his desire. Now, just in case I haven't got myself in enough trouble already, church, um, let's, um, am I in trouble? Is anyone going to do this? No, pastor, you're just preaching the Bible, right? Um, look here in, in verse uh, 9, second part of verse 9, uh, she'll adorn herself with good works. This is not going to be a problem. Men and women are both uh, called to good works, not for salvation, not to earn salvation, 
uh, not to earn our keep with God, but because God desires that. Uh, verse 10 says, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Uh, a, a Christian lady uh, will commit herself to uh, good works, to serving. Uh, she'll have a place of service in her church, and uh, she'll desire to fill her life with those things, with service and good works that are consistent with God's words. Get down across the reference, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 8. The Bible says, this is a faithful saying, uh, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. That's men and women being careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men uh, and, and to ladies. I think that's a place where the Bible is clearly referring to men and, and, and women together. Uh, Rich, we can fill our lives with all sorts of things. We can fill our lives with entertainments and, and distractions and, and, and all sorts of goals. But boy, one of those goals uh, needs to be biblically serving the Lord and giving our time as much as we can uh, to finding ways to serve the Lord. And uh, I praise God for ladies in our church who, who've remained committed and found ways uh, to continue uh, to continue serving the Lord. That's important. That's important. I'm actually going to stop there this morning. We'll come back and revisit the balance of the chapter um, tonight at six o'clock. We'll do that online. And I uh, really want to encourage, I really want to encourage you to be um, with us tonight online at six o'clock. Let's go ahead and stop and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning for your words. Lord, we thank you this morning for your words. Father, I thank you this morning for the, the certainty, the certain conviction of the Spirit of God that your words are the truth. They are the truth. There aren't many versions that we get to pick from. Father, I thank you this morning that when we encounter parts of your words, portions of Scripture, that are relatively difficult to receive. Lord, we meet your grace, your help to take up those truths. And Lord, we find grace from you to apply your truth to our lives for your honor and for your glory. Father, you've called men to take up certain truths this morning to be prayerful, and to really be prayerful. Lord, to live lives that are holy lives. Father, I don't know if there's sinful junk in some of our lives today that needs to go, but you know that, Lord. I pray this morning, Father, if there's things that need to go that you would convict until those things are gone. Lord, I pray this morning that we would, as men, Simply be willing to say, Father, I, I agree with you. Whatever you're convicting me about, it's, it's sin and it needs to go. Lord, give me grace to put it off and to put on some holy thing in its place. Father, perhaps some of us men this morning also need to do business with you regarding anger. Anger that stands in the way of prayerfulness, anger that stands in the way of holiness, unrighteous, sinful anger.
Lord, we understand this morning you desire that we put that off. It does not, it is not consistent with who you've called us to be. To adorn ourselves with unrighteous anger is sinful. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to confess sinful anger as pride. And, Lord, to seek your grace to put that off, put on a humility in its place. And, Lord, a a willingness to talk through disagreements, concerns, problems in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Lord, I pray for our ladies this morning. Lord, you've called them to a modesty, to a subjection. Father, to a hierarchy of authority that is not natural. Lord, I thank you this morning that you've also promised to bless them as they come to you and say, Lord, I struggle to dress myself in a way that reflects the modesty to which you've called me. Lord, others may say, Father, I I confess this morning I struggle to submit to my husband or to the other authorities that you've ordained in my life. Lord, I pray for ladies who may struggle in that area. It's natural that they do. It's who they are naturally. But Father, we understand that you've called both men and women supernaturally to put off old tendencies and old ways and to take up a godly order of things that is good and righteous and true. And Lord, one that marks us as different from the world in a visible way. Lord, I have no doubt this morning that your concern regarding apparel and visible yielding to authorities that you've placed into our lives. It's because you want there to be a visible difference in our lives that testifies to a supernatural power in our lives. You have great purpose for these things. They're not just subjective standards that have no meaning or purpose. They're not just ways that an unloving God seeks to control a rebellious people. Lord, it's your order, it's your desire, and you have great purpose. Father, where we struggle, I pray you'd help us to confess that and seek your grace and strength to put on obedience. Give you a moment to pray.
Lord, I thank you this morning for your word, for its truth, for the fact that it is just as relevant today as it was the day that you first gave it. Lord, I thank you this morning that it works in our lives just as well as it did when it was first given. Lord, we understand this morning that that's not the determinant of whether or not we should live it. But I do thank you this morning that when we yield ourselves to you and your words, it just works. So many problems are avoided. Lord, tonight as we look at the hierarchy to which you've called men and women, I pray that we would take it up, Father, as your design, as true and good and righteous and purposeful and loving. Again, that there be a difference in our lives that can be seen. Lord, I pray as we take up different hearts and as we take up the outward things to which you've called us, expressions of a heart that's right before you, that people will look upon us and see that there's a difference. There's a difference in our comportment, in our appearance, in our yieldedness to the various authorities that you ordain in our lives for your good purposes. Lord, I pray people would see that there is a, an effect of our yieldedness to these things and that it's good. And Lord, that they may be inclined to ask, why are you different? Why do you dress differently? Why do you talk differently? Why is your attitude different? toward your spouse, civil authorities, your pastor. Lord, I pray that we would see the opportunity to offer an answer, that we be prepared to give an answer that points directly back to Christ on the cross. Lord, I thank you this morning that you define an orderliness to which you've called us and you make it possible for us to take that up. Help us now, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.